You're listening to Yellow Peril Tactical, the Tiger Block Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to new and returning listeners. I'll be your host today, Snow, she, they pronouns. I also have Soju and Artorius Tactical. Uh, Artorius, would you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Artorius, uh, he, him pronouns. Uh, I'm a professional uh, shit poster and left divider, uh, chronic liberal and CIA player. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, Excellent. one of the funnier intros yep. we've had. Um, yeah, I'm Soju Operator. You guys probably heard me by now, probably got tired of hearing my voice, but I'm here and uh, we're super excited to have Artorios on. We've, I think we've collectively, you know, I've interacted with you for a long time through social media and I think you have a pretty awesome presence in social media, training and, and the left of space. So yeah, super excited to get into this. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad my, uh, my mad ramblings have uh, kind of reached out to a lot of people and, you know, I get a lot of messages about that and it's really cool. Kind of, I started the page as kind of like a meme diary of just like the shit that I was doing, and then I, I think I got posted by Popular Front like way early in the beginning, and it popped like 500 followers, and then it's just been a wild ride since then. Wow, Popular Front, that's a, that's big. Yeah, it was right after the um, the Ghost Gun thing came out, so it was it was really cool. Oh, okay. Yep. With Jake Hanrahan. Yeah, it's Jake Hanrahan. <laughs> that's how it happens, man. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. But no regrets so far. So um, it's funny looking back and how much like I've grown as like a like a Instagram user, gun user, and like just like my politics in general. So it's you know sometimes I look back in some of the old stuff and it's just fucking cringe. But it is what it is. I keep it there. It keeps keeps me honest. You know. Yeah. I mean, if we're not looking back and thinking, yep. "Damn, old me was cringe," like mm-hmm. we're not growing. Yeah. You know? Right. That's an important thing. Yeah. So thank you, cringe past self. Yes, thank you. Let's all give a moment of thanks to our cringe past selves for yeah. creating the people that we are now. <laughs> so um, can you let the folks listen and know what uh, your name means, what Artorius means to you and why you chose it? Uh, it means I'm a giant fucking nerd. Um, it's a character from the first Dark Soul game, um, Artorias the Voidwalker. And um, originally, I just thought he was a really cool boss fight in the game, one of my favorite games. And then I uh, read into the lore a little bit, and it's like equal parts like noble and tragic. It's just all the shit I like to see in like kind of like any kind of lore or fantasy universe. It's just complex, but it's he's a he's a he's a good guy who sacrificed himself to save his dog. Who who doesn't identify with that? Honorable, <laughs> nice. Yep. Not gonna yep. lie, when I first saw your name, I like didn't read it closely, and I was saying Astoria for like the longest time. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool too. <laughs> I was like Astoria, New York, Oregon. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> nope, just fantasy, dark fantasy character from a video game that um, I'm sure a fair amount of this audience at this point has played. Like if I if I know my Instagram followers and the crossover between my followers and YPT, there's a lot of Dark Souls fans in there, so. Yeah, we just got a bunch of nerds yeah, rolling a around. Bunch of armed nerds. And it's Fucking funnier the, the the nerdier you are, the more armed you tend to be. 
looking at you. <laughs> the, the, the Venn diagram of nerd and gun ownership in our viewership is just one circle. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's also the same. And I mean, it's the same in martial arts, too. Right. Like you see it in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai as well. Like there's just a bunch of like assassin accountants. Like just a bunch of mat savages that work like nine to fives. It's it's crazy to me. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny you should say that. We we, we had on a little bit before you. We had on Havalti Tactical, and that guy is a, the dic- the textbook definition of that. Like the accountant assassin. This, this looks like a mild mannered guy with a nine to five job, but can apparently can eviscerate you on the range and on the mat. So. Oh, oh, absolutely. And also do your taxes. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had pretty long conversations with that guy online. He also run his dump pouch, so sweet. Um, it's pretty good, pretty good dump pouch. I have no regrets. But yeah, that guy's an assassin. <laughs> there's love, like it's uh, like, Instagram's a really good tool to seeing like there's really levels to this shit, right? Like there's there's an understanding. Uh, like okay, I, I know how to shoot, and then there's like I fucking know how to shoot. And some of these guys out here are are really uh, like I said, keeping me honest. Yeah, right on. So speaking of that, what kind of got you, and we always ask this question to people, what got you into firearm ownership and what does defensive training mean to you? Uh, well, I mean, I grew up in the South. Uh, my dad owned guns. Uh, my uncles owned guns. I shot with them a couple of times. Uh, I grew up playing like Call of Duty and that stuff too. So that kind of always spurs on like a little bit of interest in that. Um, specifically Metal Gear Solid, actually. Metal Gear Solid's uh, really definitely kind of oh, yeah. down the rabbit hole of yeah, it's it's uh, don't me down the rabbit hole multiple ways. I'm pretty sure Metal Gear Solid is directly responsible for my current political lean. <laughs> but um, yeah, playing that game too long, will, long uh, too young will definitely uh, it will change some perspectives real early. You know. So uh, have you started yeah. like a your own private militia army in the middle of the ocean? Oh, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, we uh, abandoned oil rig because we figured repurposing is the green thing to do. <laughs> you know. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I had the resources that they have in this game. Jeez, that'd be phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, back to your original question. Um, what does community defense mean to me? Um, community defense is anything that's going to keep your community safe, fed, housed, and taken care of. And the reality of that situation is guns rank pretty low on that like community defense priority. Um, I'd say as far as community defense go, like the biggest thing you could do is like get to know your neighbors. Like if, if you want, I mean, it starts with that community, right? Like you talk about community defense all the time, but what's community defense without an actual community? And if you don't know your neighbors, I think that's the first step. And, I, you know, I've been pretty consistent on this message for like pretty much the entire time I've been online. That's pretty consistent with like everyone that we've had on so far who does actively partake in community defense or organizing uh, anyone from uh, tactical girlfriend, not your boyfriend. Um, we just right before we rec- started recording this, we had on um, uh, insubordinate, and who I know you're you're very close to talking about. They all say the same thing. It's what is community defense doesn't mean anything if you don't have a community to begin with. Like if you haven't ticked the the base level of reaching out to people and seeing if their basic needs are met, etc. Like I always keep saying, it's like it's sort of the non glamorous parts that are actually the more important things. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the rev- most revolutionary things that I do personally is I have an elderly neighbor to that we share a wall, and she leaves her trash outside. I mean, she's an old lady, and um, we live on the second floor, so whenever I see trash on her front doorstep, I would just pick it up and throw it in the dumpster for her, you know? And, like, just little acts like that are probably day-to-day going to be the most revolutionary things you can possibly do. That and, like, I don't know, planting a garden. Like, that's infinitely more praxis than, you know, shit posting online. 
I mean, we could have both, but I think what you point out is so important is like recognizing who are the marginalized people in your vicinity, your proximity, and recognizing what their needs are. And sometimes it literally just means walking by their door and seeing what they need. Like it's that simple to start with. Yeah, I mean, we. I think a lot of us get lost in the sauce with like how to praxis and how to do this and how to do that and how do we like create this like utopian society or, you know, do we do it this way or do we do it that way? The reality is we can't start talking about utopian society until we like can start taking care of the people to the left and the right, right? Like it starts with like, um, I think Bookchin talks about this a little bit and I'm, I mean, we're in like five minutes in this podcast and I got Bookchin on the table, so this is going to be a wild <laughs> one. Uh, um, no, I, uh, I'll keep it short though. He basically, um, in so many words says like the first revolution that's got to happen is the internal revolution is like, you got to look inward and decide that you yourself are going to change and venerate these concepts and, and live this lifestyle. Um, and until you do that, you're really not going to be able to see an effect change on a massive scale. And that's kind of what I work on personally is a lot of self-work, a lot of understanding like my role in these communities and how to, you know, put these communities at the forefront of our actions, you know? Right on. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. You gotta uh, do something, right? Like you can't just right. sit there and shit pose. Like, <laughs> right. And, and as fun as it is to dunk on, you know, whoever I'm deciding to dunk on for the day, it's, it, it really is important to get like, past that like jokes and memes phase of leftism and get into like actually affecting the material conditions to the people around you. And like, like you said earlier, like sometimes that's as easy as, you know, knocking on someone's door or getting to know someone or, you know, even, I mean, hosting a barbecue probably does infinitely more good for your community than a lot of the stuff I'm seeing online right now. Then, then yeah, hosting a barbecue is probably better for your community than running bill drills all day. What if we ran bill drills at the community barbecue? That would just be tight. That'd just be cool. I'm at the barbecue. Yep. I'm at Bill Drill. I'm at yeah. the Bill Drill barbecue. Bar- Bill Drill barbecue. Yeah, the BD. We have to fucking. We have to coin that now. That has to be a YP yeah. theme. <laughs> the Bill Drill barbecue. <laughs> you are welcome. You heard it here first, you folks. Heard it here first. That's uh, the next revolutionary concept. Like no more caucusing, no more canvassing, community barbecues and Bill Drills. That's it. Only. That's yeah, it. Only. That's it. Yep. That's, that's the, the post. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's my political belief right there. It's only the one. That's it. That we should be barbecuing. I'm grill pilled and Bill grill pilled. <laughs> I just okay now I'm imagining uh, uh, Kalashnikoving doing a post where he's like one hand is Korean barbecue, his right hand is a CZP10C. He's just making bill trails. Yeah, <laughs> new challenge. Yeah, yeah right. Or go, yeah, uh, you know you're at a barbecue, the fascists show up. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna let that meat burn? No, you're not gonna let that bulgogi burn. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, so practical applications of drilling is a really important concept. It, it really is. Oh, my God, I'm dead. Okay. Uh, well, you know, aside from people neglecting to do bill drills at their barbecues, do you feel like there's, like, other aspects of training that you feel, like, are neglected by a lot of gun owners? Oh, yeah. There's a lot. There, I can, and I, I think I saw Soju nod a little bit there, but there's, yeah, there's a lot. I think the number one thing that people miss, and it's something that I missed for a long time, and I recently had pointed out to me by someone who's much better at shooting than I am, um, but like drilling with intention is probably the most important thing you can do as a firearm owner. And what I mean by that is 
you're asking yourself questions while you're doing things. Why am I doing this, right? Why am I doing this particular drill? Why am I doing this particular drill this way? Can I do this more efficiently? Can I do this more effectively, right? Asking yourself those questions at the start. But the way that's practiced, for example, is, you know, we're joking about build drills, right? And you ask yourself, why do we do a build drill? Why do we put six six rounds on targets, try to do center mass? Well, to me, it's an accurate and empirical measurement of the fundamental skill level that you have, right? If you can accurately do that fast, you're probably practicing the fundamentals to a high proficiency, okay? So understanding why we drill things is the first step. The second thing is looking for the areas of improvement, asking yourselves, how can we do this more efficiently? How can we do this more effectively? And a lot of times that comes down to like a little bit of body mechanics. Like this isn't tense enough. I need to, you know, uh, I need to redirect instead of coming up and out. I need to make sure I'm, I'm hitting the angle. So it's the most efficient path to travel. Um, and a lot of that comes down to like just repeating, drilling, 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 but you can drill all day. And if you're not drilling the things that are making you more effective, you're doing yourself more harm than good, right? And in order to understand the things that are most effective, you have to ask those questions to yourself about everything you're doing. And that should include even the stuff that we take for granted, like bill drills or 2R2s or any of those kind of things. Right on. No, I, I agree like a ton. And I think anyone who does training seriously probably would agree with you on that, on that front. I know, and this is a thing that Koff uh, totally harps on, is... Yeah, an example would be doing the one reload one drill and you ask yourself is that a practical use of my time at the range that i'm paying to be at and my ammo i'm using up right now because you can just do that at home there's no reason you're not practicing follow-up shots so why do you even have to waste any ammo doing it so those are the kind of things that yeah people should ask themselves i think another thing a good example and i've been at fault for this too is when you're at the range like having the mindset of like if I had to do this for real, because it's easy to separate. You're shooting at paper, you're shooting at steel or cardboard or whatever, but something as simple as once I'm done shooting, maybe training yourself to keep the gun still presented forward, but finger off the trigger. So you're assessing, but your gun is not put away. Because a lot of the times we instinctively, when that timer's done or a last shot's done, we just go back to high compression or immediately reholster. But that's not necessarily something you want to do every single time in the real world because you don't know if that threat is done yet. So, I mean, I, I had a teacher say, like, th- thinking to yourself, just like as you said, does this guy need more bullets? Does he not need more yeah. bullets? Okay, then I'm done. Something like that. Yeah, I feel like you're directly calling me out right now <laughs> a little bit just <laughs> just because I have some videos of me doing force-on-force training with simunitions, um, which that was actually one of the things that I identified after the fact was me going back to compress ready before all the... I do that shit are, too, man. You know, neutralize, yeah, you know, like, and, and it's a thing you learn from. Um, videos are great for that, by the way. You want to keep yourself honest, start start videoing yourself drilling. Oh, and yeah. Not even, not even for the likes, not even because you're shooting those juicy 2.2 build drills, like, because it's it's worth watching yourself under video under pressure to see what you're actually doing in that time. Um, one of the big things I noticed, um, I recently helped out with, uh, a community training day and I was playing the bad guy for a lot of the day. And, uh, one of the big things I noticed is all the stuff that we went over, um, in like beforehand, like, Hey, we're going to do this. And if this happens, you do this. And if this happens, do this and make sure you're doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, as soon as we started shooting airsoft BBs at people, all that just went shoop right out the window. And that's because one, they hadn't drilled it enough. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't in their head big enough. I mean, a cough hops, another thing that cough, they were just going to have a podcast about the what, Bible according yeah. to Kalashnikov. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, coughing one, three, one, two. <laughs> um, 
sorry, is, he talks about like the the levels of proficiency, and I'm sure it's not just him who's talked about this as much as we want. No, to it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it was just, just, just him, just him. Um, but it's talking about um, unconsciously being in, unconsciously incompetent, being consciously incompetent, being. Con- uh, being oh no see I'm seeing I'm unconsciously incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, being unconsciously incompetent, being consciously incompetent, being unconsciously competent, and then being consciously competent, or uh, being consciously competent and being unconsciously competent. Wow, that's a lot of words. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. But basically, it's saying like the levels of proficiency. Like, can I? Can I? Do I know what I'm doing and can I do it? No. Okay. First level. Do I know what I'm doing and can I do it? Yes, I can. I know what I'm doing too. Can I do it? No. Okay. Third level, can do I know what I'm doing? Can I do it? Yes. Right. And then the fourth level is like it's going to be hard to do it wrong at that point. Right. Like, and that's just like the levels of drilling, and that only happens after you've drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. But that the good techniques only shine through when you're drilling the good techniques, and you need to be able to separate what works in real life scenarios and what doesn't. Yeah, certainly. How long have you been shooting? Geez, like. Been shooting like since I was like seven, mm. um, so now like twenty three years. Um, I remember being a kid with a twenty two. Seriously, like moving and shooting, like actually like looking at how not to die in a gunfight over the last like three and a half, four years. Like taking it seriously. I mean, when I say taking it seriously, I mean when I started drilling like every day. Right. That's cool. Yeah, so. I, I think that's also an important thing that this is not even exclusive to firearms training, but anything you do in life, like. You ask someone, how long have you been doing, you know, tennis or martial arts or shooting? And they tell you some sort of number that's like extensive. But then you have to sort of ask yourself or ask them, like, do you, did you, is that, was that 20 years straight or was that yeah. 20 years on and off a couple of weeks or months? Like, you know, I hear it all the time when people yeah. do martial arts. Like, oh, I'm a, I've heard like people like I, I was training with, like, I'm a ninjutsu practitioner for over 20 years. I'm like, Okay, but I'm looking at that guy like I'm gonna. Break yeah, him. yeah. It's, it's like, uh, yeah. like it's like okay, but like you can't even like keep up with the rest of the class cardio wise. Your concepts make no sense at all, and you're you're obviously exaggerating that resume. Let's, let's be honest right now. So I, yeah. Well, even if they weren't exaggerating that resume, let's talk about like again that comes back to are you drilling the things that work? Mm-hmm, right, right. You, know, you, you can have a you can have an ninjutsu practitioner practitioner who's who's doing ninjutsu for for twenty fucking years, right? And but you're not gonna smoke bomb your way out of a Muay Thai fight. You know, like, it's just not going to happen. Um, hey, man, don't I, knock I, it till you try it. Just, just <laughs> show up to a Muay Thai smoker and literally throw smoke at them. <laughs> See what happens. But, but yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true. There's a difference between time doing and time actively doing and, like, level like levels of actively doing, right? Like, um, the guy who's take, who took a private class with uh, or, or who did... Um, I don't know, Arcane Group or GBRS or whatever one of these fucking chuds out there's classes every day for three months is probably going to be more proficient at gunfighting than someone who hits the range on the weekend. Easily, yes. Right? Yeah, like, 100%. And it's not even, not even a contest. So it comes back to like your priorities and training. Training the right thing, drilling the right thing, and making sure you're doing the right thing during those first two steps. That's really it. Like, Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, so you mentioned like you've been more dedicated moving and shooting for the last three and a half years. Um, What does that actual defensive training look like for you? And what was like, did you have a realization from the moment uh, when you first started doing that? And then looking back being like, oh, wow, have I really even been shooting this whole time? 
Yeah, I mean, looking back, I I think about all the berms and ammo that have been wasted in my you know pursuit of trying to get better. And the reality is, like, if we're honest, like this information is hasn't really been widely disseminated in, in like leftist circles if, uh, until pretty recently, right? Like, if you wanted good gunfighting info in general over the last 10, 15, 20 years, you're probably getting it from Randy 3%. Like, it just yeah. really... Um, it's really been a tough sell for a lot of leftists until very recently. Um, but you know, when you, when you look back on like when you first start, of course we talked about, you know, it was pretty cringe. Um, but like, I knew I was on the right path when I started asking myself questions about why I was doing things. And we keep, we keep coming back to the same thing because it's really not all that complicated, you know? Uh, when I started going, okay, why, why am I doing this? Why does this guy on YouTube do this? Why, why should I do this? Would, this actually work. And, you know, then when you go and take those questions into like an academic classroom or like, you know, train, like trainer trainee kind of sense, which I've done a a good amount of, um, those questions kind of start as you get more experienced with taking those classes and doing these things, you're able to more effectively answer your own questions in your own training regimens, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. Um, and looking back, I wish I had had act the access that we have now to the information that we have now, and it would have saved everyone a long time. But you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So everyone here who's listening to this right now, go dry fire right, right now. And plant a tree, I guess. And, yeah. Plant a tree and dry fire. Do it at the same time. On one hand, you're planting a tree. The other hand, you're dry firing. Yep. And with your ears, you're listening to us yep. right now on this oh, podcast. The, yep. Yeah. The eco anarchists would love that one. <laughs> Um, so, you know, further into this firearm training uh, topic, and I guess we kind of touched upon it earlier about what, what's sort of missing that you kind of observed. What have you observed in terms of how can, uh, say, more of the cis-dominant people or white people within firearm spaces, what can they do to make that firearm space more inviting, more inclusive for other people? And what, do you, what have you seen as a shortcoming on the left so far? Well, man, minefield of a question. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Good I luck. The, I think the biggest role for like cis hat dudes in in like the leftist firearm spaces are ones who acquire good information from places that marginalized communities may not have access to. Um, if that means being able to go out and and train with people who you know would not, not that I'm recommending. If you have the option, always go with you know good people, good training, but that's not always the option. If you're a cis white dude and can pass in those spaces, it's kind of up to you to get that info and bring it back to those communities that can use it. Um, Now, notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying bring those people to those communities. That's a big no-no. You know, you're putting your marginalized communities at risk when you're bringing in chuds, fuds, and people who generally want to see those kind of people destroyed into those communities. It's just not acceptable to me. But there's a difference between that getting good info and bringing it back to those communities. Um, you can protect those communities better that way. Um, the second big thing that cis white dudes can do in these communities is just like, shut up. Like, yeah, say it again. You can just, you can, you can just stop talking like that, that, that really, which is ironic from a fucking professional shit poster, right? Like, but, but you know, um, I always try to be cognizant of that as well as like, you know, a lot of what I try to do with the pages platform, um, more marginalized people, um, onto it. And, you know, I definitely try to, um, I mean, we, we kind of talk like, it's funny. I talk about this like libertarian to left pipeline that the Instagram community is actually really good at, at bringing, like, I know a lot of former 
pretty like I would say like politically neutral libertarian leaning types, not necessarily like terrible people, just like maybe haven't thought about it hard enough or right. had, like articulate had it articulated in a, in language that they can understand that wasn't. Yeah, I know people like that personally like too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think for me personally, I think that's the like primo real estate growing grounds for the left right there. I think when once you already have the question of like, wait a minute, government's kind of whack. It's very easy to go, you know what else is whack? Corporations. Right on. It's not a hard bridge to make there. And I think firearms does that really, really, really well. Oh, yeah. But. That being said, you know, back to the original thing, I think if we're going to just break it down real quick, what cis white hat dudes can can do for marginalized communities in the gun space is get the training that marginalized communities can't give the training to those marginalized communities and then step back and let these marginalized communities organize and do the thing and support them wholeheartedly in that. And, you know, I think um, with YPT sent pretty much since the day one was uh, I've been a huge supporter of y'all and, and y'all's message and what you're doing. And I think we need more and more of that. And I think it's, you know, up to people like me to support that wholeheartedly and put that at the forefront of, you know, the conversation. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I agree with that assessment and as well, the it's, I've, I've worked with, with some people, you know, local areas and other places I've been and, they do a great job in some regards of leveraging like their privilege in a way that's going to uplift and support other people. Like that's a way cooler way to say what. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, you know, I got, you know, people who are like, I look like they look like a textbook bearded chud guy and they they know how to use that language, work that lingo and be passing to get what they need. And then, but in, like under off time, they're out there teaching people who wouldn't normally be able to pass that way. And, uh, they know how to sort of leverage that too. If, if for instance, they have to talk to an authoritative type figure, they can be that person mm-hmm. in front. And, yep. uh, they have like a protocol for that too. That's, that's really intelligent and well, pretty smart. And I, I like what that people are, um, know how to do that. And then being understanding it's the reverse gray man. Is what <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We're just coming out with like banger yeah. terms today. Damn. Yeah. Like we, we yeah. got to fucking write this down, uh, you know, promote Luckily, it. Luckily there's an audio record of it. So oh yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm sure someone's going to write it down. We'll see it on a meme three days from now from some obscure page that oh my God. is going to misinterpret everything I say and do me no charity or justice and in their interpretations of the thing I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, we, we got to start, you know, coining all these terms, make our own. Like the fact that gray man is now like the lingo reverse gray man is like perfect. This is how we get into yeah. space. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. It's like I put on a multicam hat and some fucking 5'11s. <laughs> no one's looking at me twice. The only people that are looking at me twice are like, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. Like I, I worry sometimes because like I have a pretty like. Like I wear jeans and a t-shirt like the vast majority of times, but every once in a while I find myself out in Portland, like with tactical pants on and then like not noticing until I'm like walking around and going, Oh no, I'm, <laughs> it's gray- me. I'm, I'm reverse gray Manny too hard right now. I'm going to make myself. I've become Tim Kennedy. Oh no. oh no. What have I done? Yeah. 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 So they're going to think I have money. <laughs> I was thinking reverse gray man can be like, uh, multi-cam purple like there you go yeah. hell yeah right. was that, that family guy episode where he's walking around Vietnam in a clown like, outfit I was like, you, you guys are dumb they're gonna be looking for soldier guys yeah. <laughs> okay I just like I, I'm probably the first person on the planet to quote both Bookchin and Peter Griffin on the same podcast so I just like to point that out just setting new records every day yep mm-hmm. <laughs> we love to see it yep that's what I'm here for
I mean, going back, so if you were to have a tactical MySpace, <laughs> would YPT, would we be on your top eight? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 110%. Um, my MySpace name would be X Artorius X for sure. With underscores. Yeah, with underscores. Yes. It's, 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 I'm sorry. Let me, let me, lowercase X, capital X, underscore Artorius, underscore, capital X, underscore. X. <laughs> Hell yeah. And yeah, you'd be in my top top five for sure. Um, I think y'all, I think the folks over at Arm Your Friends are doing really good stuff as well. And I know there's a ton of crossover with that. And you know, for me, as like, I don't even know if I'd describe myself as an anarchist, but more, I, I'm a really big fan of loose autonomous, like confederations of allies. Like it just, that's the stuff that really gets my goat going. So seeing that between like YPT, Arm Your Friends and various other groups, it's just, it's really nice to see. And I think we need more, uh, autonomous, you know, uh, horizontal organizing rather than large scale, you know, proto hierarchical art organizations that we've seen in the past. Right on. Uh, you've spoken a lot about shit posting. I mean, we're, we're we do shit posting too. But I think mm-hmm. um, what everyone could be doing is we all love the shit post. We all love memes. Memes memes have become the most universal language across any barrier generations. Um, race political leanings like everyone does it and it's a it's one of the most efficient ways to spread uh information uh put a platform on uh you know speak your opinions and propaganda yeah exactly and i I was gonna i've been meaning to ask you um what has been your experience in terms of using shit posting or memes to educate people or have you felt like you've had success in breaking through to people just because you you made a meme that happened to be relatable and happened to have Mm -hmm. good information on it um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a fine line for me. I, I ride the line between like heavy shit posting and trying to do like semi informative content or at least like content that makes you think a little bit. Right. And whether that be um, thinking about your training methodology or thinking about um, political ideology or whatever, like I, my goal is never to be subversive, but to definitely generate some conversation about some stuff that maybe a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about. And I think that's a really important function of, of memes and Instagram in general is kind of like putting the stuff that the hard conversations, the stuff that we need to acknowledge and move forward and, and kind of incorporate into our uh, daily ideals. Um, and that doesn't happen without like really deep, hard, sometimes uncomfortable conversations. And I think memes are a great segue to that. As far as how effective I've been, I... I get called a liberal a lot. Uh, I get Owie. called. Yeah, I get called. That's the ultimate called, insult. Uh, ah. Yeah, I get called a CIA plant a lot. Damn. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Also, and then the other end of that is fascist death threats, just all the time. Right. <laughs> so, right. so you know, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle there. You know, like I'm and the the reality of the situation is both sides are gonna. I'm not going to actually, no, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about both sides here. The reality is fucking fascists suck. They can eat my dick and they want to come for me. They can come for me. I don't, I don't understand what about my page makes people think that they can come for me, but go ahead and try whatever. (laughs) The other, the other end of that is like, I get a lot of, um, I get a lot of flack from like, uh, I, I would call them like Bolshevik simps would be generally how I would describe that. Um, and I, I, and I don't, I, I don't say communist or, or socialist in general because I think there's space for this um, for people who believe like you know the the tenets of socialism leading to communism. I think that's in in general a good thing. Um, what I don't stand are militarized authoritarian um, segues to that or, or, or avenues to that rather. Um, and I've been pretty consistent in my stance that you know 
absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you put the most ardent revolutionary in a position of power and he becomes a tyrant immediately. And we have to address these systems of hierarchy and these systems of power and, you know, find alternatives. And the reality is I don't think we've ever seen in human history the, the, the right way forward, right? Like we keep looking to the past for all these examples of how to do things right, of how to do things right. And the reality of the situation is I think we, we're at a point where we know enough that it's time to try something new. And that's been my message the entire time is, and uh, I would definitely, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't hate that. I, I talk to a lot of tankies and a lot of like diehard red communists. Um, I think it always makes me think and it always forces me to address my own belief system and really, um, you know, I, it forces myself, me to continue my, to ask myself questions. And, and I think it's a really important thing to be kept honest and to actually have to address these, these hard taken questions. Like, um, one of the big things that I've been thinking about lately is how anarchism or proto anarchism or democratic confederalism or social ecology or all these kind of things that I kind of, um, support online, um, how they address some really hard questions and issues in terms to like really nasty crimes. Um, and I think those are hard questions. How do you keep a, uh, a society, a free and equal society from being taken over by a larger, more powerful authoritarian society? I think these are really, really valid questions. And I think that um, a lot of the conversations I've had with way more authoritarian left leaning people um, have forced me to start addressing some of that stuff in my own ideology, you know? And that's a good thing. It's always a good thing to have to go and back and go, you know what? That's a good question. I need to ponder on that. I need to think about that. And I need to, you know, come back to it. Yeah, definitely. That's where I'm, at. I'm at. I'm at the coming back to it phase right now. And um, I have some thoughts, but they're not really ready for a podcast. <laughs> no, no, definitely. <laughs> like, uh, I think anyone, anyone, especially everyone on here can probably speak to numerous instances of leftist divide in organizations or spaces or whatever i mean spend 10 seconds on facebook and, and you'll fucking see that too it's like spend 10 seconds in my comments <laughs> yeah because it's it's the usual anarchists versus marxists and and such and you know i i would like to point out that all of us do have a lot more in common right and Obviously, we're Absolutely. allowed to disagree on things. We're allowed to have the, those discussions. And I, I think the common overlap that we keep seeing is the kinds of people that feed so heavily into factional divide are the people who more or less kind of live on the Internet, from my experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like it's they're, a- not ta- they're not really speaking to real people or dealing with actual work you know they have a space in which they want to be the loudest person more often yeah. than not it's a right. it's a very loud very vocal very minority like right it's, it's really they're just it's very loud is the problem <laughs> you know it's and, and and on a platform like instagram it's very easy to be loud like that and you know for better or for worse i think there's um benefits and and drawbacks to having you know, the ability to be loud and to have people look at your stuff and to be able to get eyes on your things, you know, and sometimes the things that you're putting out there just aren't worth having eyes on, but that's not my, really my problem. Now <coughs> keep doing it. Cause it makes me material very easy. <laughs> like, nice. It really, it really does make my life easy. I don't think my page would exist without really over the top, uh, Bolshevik LARPers, but I'm pretty sure people are just looking at my stories for the next time. I'm uh, making fun of Conor McGregor, or yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or I'm or I'm posting or Dylan Danis, yeah, yeah, or I'm posting the next like horrendous cringe 
quote unquote trainer footage that of a guy who's just not qualified to teach. Those are my those are my fucking favorite. <laughs> like those are, that's got to be my favorite genre of Instagram video is like the bad trainer is gonna get their student clapped. Like oh yeah, it's like oh yeah, if you have a gun to the head, you can just like divert the barrel and keep the slide from. I hate that back. guy. The the Detroit just, trainer yeah, security we, guy. Yeah, fuck that yeah, guy. Yeah, he's out in Detroit. Or I hate him. Right? Oh. Isn't that the guy oh, that shot a student? No, no, that was the fucking Israeli Krav Maga douchebag. Hell yeah. Good God. Holy shit. Here's what I'm going to say. Maybe fighting systems that are only used against like peasants with rocks is not good fighting systems for a modern context. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, yeah, one might think. Yeah, IDF is really good at bullying people with rocks. Is that what you're trying to do? Then, yeah. yeah. I mean, learn Krav Maga and whatever the fuck they're teaching. Beating people up who are already beaten down. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good use of your time. Uh, oh, just uh, for people out there, um, I'd taken Krav Maga just to see what, what it was about. Like, a long time too. ago. long time ago. I did. And, and Sistema. Oh, same oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I did it for about, like, two months. I was just like, this is bad technique, bad mindset, bad, bad everything. Yep. It's just MMA with... Just, that's been diluted down well, to soccer here's, mom here's the big problems. Here's the big problem with Krav Maga. Every Krav Maga practitioner I've ever talked to has been like, oh, well, I'll just eye gouge you. Yeah. I'll just kick you in the groin. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. But like, the reality is like, you, don't, you can't reliably drill those things, right? Like, you can't drill eye gouging on your partner realistically. You can't. You know what you can drill on your partner? A guillotine. Right. Arm bar. A cross collar choke. Uh, leg lock, you know, like all these things, like we come back to is it, like, it's drilling, 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 drilling. That matters. It's that muscle memory, that snap decision-making, that ability to wire your brain to make the right decision immediately without having to like consult like that dot bank, right? That's the whole point of building that muscle memory. And you do that in things like Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu through, you know, bag work or sparring or these things. You cannot do that in Krav Maga. You cannot fucking simulate kicking someone as hard as you can in the balls over and over again. And the reality of the situation is, yeah, you can do those things. I can do those things too, plus all the other stuff. Exactly. That's my thing yeah. with these. It's a whole subgenre of bullshitting in martial arts is the reality-based self-defense. And it's just like cookie-cutter techniques. Ironically, these are, they, they will speak down to traditional styles of martial arts, to sport, or yeah. combat sports, but all their techniques are taken from them and they just add a stupid camo tint to it and call it reality-based self-defense training. You know, it's in Krav Maga is one of the greatest offenses because now it's a fucking franchise. It's a McDonald's chain now. Yeah, it's yeah. T- it's, it's yeah, it's a McDojo. Yeah, it's, it really is. And okay. McDojo. Yeah, that, that's a that's a term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So the the one disclaimer here is I I have met a few quote unquote like Krav Maga practitioners who were really more MMA. It, yes. I mean, yeah. But and they were savages. Don't get me wrong. Like there's some guys that I've rolled with in the gym that were like primarily Krav Maga guys. Krav Maga again is a pretty loose term. Um, who who knew what they're doing? But I would say the vast majority of the time it's a huge red flag. Like any, it's like oh I was IDF Krav Maga. It's like that fucking red flag. Me. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep. Yeah. Yeah. Right across the thing. So. Uh, I, same with Systema. Right. So please, please do not let me see you posting things about Systema. Um, it's it's a keto for Russian guys. Like it's it's not. It's actually Tai Chi based, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. I was watching what's his fucking name? One of like the the head guys of the Vladimir. School, someone had like yeah, Vladimir something or another, and he had a point of his knife to his belly, and he's like, and if I flex this way, the knife can't penetrate. And I'm like, mm, right. I don't uh, know. No, no, you're, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get people stuck. It's not no, don't do that. And I'm seeing like I'm seeing pages and people that I respect post the stuff, and I just I need that to stop. 
it's it's bad. It's if you take one thing away from this podcast, don't don't do Krav Maga and Sistema, please. Go do Muay Thai or Jiu Jitsu. I I would pretty much agree with most of that. And like I have yeah. some people I know who've done Sistema, like even my teacher, just to see what it's like or whatever. And when they tell you like. The one takeaway you get from Sistema is body looseness, mobility training. So you can yep. use that as an attribute to enhance maybe things like wrestling, but don't don't look at that as like a base system that you're going to put your entire life on. Well, I'm sure ballet can help a lot. Yeah, dancing artists. is great. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean it's a good affecting fight. Right, that in and of itself is not something yeah. I'm going to bank my exactly. life on. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I would I would even bank to say that there's probably more effective ways to do that than Sistema if you were really like trying to min max that stuff. But yeah, regardless, I'm I'm okay. I'm done. I'm done hating on fake martial arts. <laughs> yeah, I I'm never done hating on fake Gosh, martial that's a fair point as i say that and then this i'm gonna get facts. on it yeah i'm gonna get on the internet later and be like look at this <laughs> um i guess uh you know moving on in your experiences and from where you are right now what sort of uh, alarming trends between overlap of maybe authoritarian figures law enforcement fascist movements have you observed that you think people should need be more aware of well, I mean, it just came out that a bunch of cops up here in the Pacific Northwest were like dues paying Oath Keepers. I saw that. Jesus. That's, I mean, okay, well, one, is anyone surprised? Fuck no. 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 It, is, it is still kind of um, alarming to see that so in the open. Um, uh, it just, it's all fucking alarming. Like, let's, let's, let's be completely honest. Like, it's all, anytime I see any of these jamokes out here doing like, uh, five man, ten man, land nav stuff. Like I, it it really it really makes me think. Like wow, we really need to be hitting the range some more. So um, as far as like, yeah, outside of like the oath keeper thing, I think one of the big things I keep seeing is like the dog whistles on like a lot of like left like no, I'm sorry, not leftists. Um, on a lot of like YouTube content that's out there. Um, Grand Thumb's a big one. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people on the left are kind of unaware of, I mean, he starts the fucking every single episode with the trans. Yes, exactly. Like this, you know, it's like, or, or things like, um, leftist associating with groups that train cops, like GBRS group. Like I see people simping GBRS group on leftist gunstagram all the time. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like these guys train, like these guys train the guys that shoot tear gas at you. Like it's just. And I think there's a dip, like there's a difference between getting quality training from bad people and actively promoting those people. Oh yeah, right. Like there's there's a, there's a huge world of difference between that, and I think that nuance is really lost on the left right now. And we need to understand that. Um, we need to get back to keeping our community safe by gatekeeping just a little bit. Right. No, and it's actually a very interesting point you brought up about the. The content we consume, the influencer types, especially mm-hmm. types like Grantham, administrative results, who now they just mm-hmm. they're like, pe- Ronin tactics. Yeah, Ronin like, tactics. Warrior poet. Yeah. That oh, War- Warrior poet is one of the greatest offens- offenders of that shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Guns and Gear is like pretty much openly fash at this point. Um, and Brandon Herrera, complete fucking douche nozzle. So like with these kinds of people, it's like it, people need to understand like symbology for one. All these mm-hmm. guys 
are out here openly promoting Rhodesian shit, Rhodesian camo, mm-hmm. Rhodesian aesthetics, and people don't understand yep. that crap. And don't they always deflect? Mm-hmm. Like that fuck face who's who's with T Rex arms, Drew Hopkins, another piece of <laughs> shit, uh, completely overrated too. That guy talk about a company full of pieces. Yeah, of shit. exactly. And that guy, that guy made a post was all like, it's like, uh, Rhodesian stuff isn't racist. See the people in Zimbabwe wear it, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's, it's all this dog whistle deflection. It's like. But you should ask, why are they wearing it, right? Why is it that the, the same camo and symbology and open uh, regard and, like, admiration for a racist, white supremacist, colonizer uh, state was also the same symbology that uh, Dylan Roof wore when he shot up a black church in South Carolina? You know, how, why are you unable to, to, to bridge that gap together? It's not that they're unable to, because they, they don't fucking care. They like that shit. They're all about white supremacy. That's the entire point of it. And yeah. I think, and I think one of the big things that gets missed here is like how much like YouTube's algorithms and Instagram's algorithms feed into that. Right. Because 100%. I, think, I think what we see, um, and I, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I think what I've seen particularly in recent years, um, is that a lot of these uh, like gun influencers are starting to lean into this because they're realizing it's more profitable for them. They're realizing they get more views when they have controversial stuff. They have they realize they that the people that the people that m- watch videos in the way that make them money are the people that they're going to pander to. And in this case, it's the people who are into Rhodesian and white supremacy shit. And they know this and they're complicit in this. And you know they do it anyway. And it's just I mean it's just like. It all comes back to capitalism, right? I like was just going to yeah. say that. Hashtag <laughs> like capitalism. Every single time. Every single time it comes to the pursuit of profit. And these guys do not care where that profit comes from and at whose expense that profit comes from. And for me, that's just not an ethical way to live. Like, I don't want to have to step on someone else to make a buck. Yeah. Which is why I always post the shit that I think and not the shit that people want to hear. Right, exactly. Right. right. We, 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 were just, we spoke with... Uh, tactical girlfriend about that about that her content's not based on uh, being a carbon copy of warrior dork society or uh, a grantham about you know doing the same format talking about the same pieces of equipment using the same stupid tired jokes having the same exact viewpoint no she's honest to who she is and with her aesthetic and her her style and that's what makes her stand out and obviously you know that's what you do with your with your content on your page and um I'm gonna take that like comparison as like the biggest compliment that anyone's given. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, I think uh, so. You brought up a point about um, the algorithm and catering to the to, to the loudest, shittiest part of the audience because yep. it makes them money and gets them attention. Like yep. we need to look no further than the beginning of the George Floyd protests. Every single right. shitty chud gun tube channel that you can think of heavily leaned into it. You heavily leaned to panic. You heavily leaned into it because they're like, oh, this is a perfect chance to uh, uh, inf- you know, elevate myself as an authoritative mm-hmm. figure. We're talking about what drills can I do to take out a guy yeah. uh, um, you know, wearing a, wearing a, a suspicious Antifa mask. Uh, right? You know, how do I... Or just wearing all black. Yeah, yeah. It, like, every single fucking channel was heavily into, uh, lent into that, and um, I, firearms trainers that classes I've attended to have heavily leaned into that panic, you know? Why wouldn't they? Yeah, they I, make I, money I, off this shit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, gun gun sales and training spike whenever there's social unrest, right? Like, it's in their, it's in their 
financial interests to kind of lean into those things and, and just be total shit bags about it. Right. Like we have a system that rewards people just being completely just dick, dick bags. Yeah. Like, That's a technical term. Yes. Yeah. I think Mark said that. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that that is a very good point. And as collectively, you know, YPD has you know made posts, and we've spoken to people about these things to look out for dog whistles mm-hmm. and the associations of different groups, etc. Uh, yeah. You know, training with under you know training space is obviously very tricky. So is the entire firearms industry. But you know, you get your your equipment, your training, your services from the people that you can afford to get to right yeah. oftentimes it's going to be cops that's going to be former military mm-hmm. types people it's going to be super right-wing people yep. you, you take it from them and that's what the whole point we like circles back to what we said earlier you take the information and you bring it to someone else and i think everyone speaking right now has done that i'm trying at least like uh, like i said i did i did that for i did force on forest class i've done some um just advanced or basic to advanced carbine and pistol classes along with like some private classes with thankfully some actually really cool people um people that we're associated with as well um and you know it's just it's right now we're not in a place on the left to be super picky about where we're getting um a lot of the training for because the information and the infrastructures for these trainings aren't really but they're being they're being developed don't get me wrong i mean we're, we're getting there um but there are some things that we're missing. And the reality is like guys with tons of like fast moving, like experience in kinetic situations do have valuable, valuable insight to give in when we're talking about fast moving kinetic situations. Like these are the guys that did it professionally. And those are the guys you want to talk to in those situations. But again, there's a difference between taking that information, giving it to your community, taking training methodology, taking those kind of things, giving it to your community and then bringing those people into those same communities because one benefits the community. The other literally puts people that want to see those communities gone in those in contact with those communities, which is unacceptable to me. Again, it's like, you can't, there's certain things you just can't do if you want to survive and you got to, it's, it's up to, you know, it's up to uh, people like me and people who can pass in those circles to really take responsibility for that and make sure that one, we're getting the information to, and two, we're keeping those communities safe by not letting the dickheads in. Only you can prevent dickheads in your firearm yep. space. Exactly. That's be, right. Yeah. Be Smokey the Bear. You know. <laughs> and I think there's a difference between someone who's misguided or maybe doesn't have access to that information and someone who's actively harmful to the community. But when in doubt, play it safe. Like it's not worth it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, so with the the increasing prevalency of firearms information out there especially on instagram there's just been like a new leftist gun page every week that i've seen um what is your perspective on like the gunnaissance uh well no i was actually going for like you know how do we like take on the super racist gun control efforts but from a leftist perspective and how do we not like just get enveloped into what the right and republicans have been doing I think that's probably the one thing that like the leftist gun gun Instagram community is actually doing really, really well is taking up an occupying space in that conversation. So that's the biggest thing we got to do because we got to get people away from this idea that any argument against gun control is just right wing dudes who want to, you know, right. have a bunch of machine. I mean, yes, I want to have a bunch of machine guns. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm, I'm there for that one. Both but, and yes, yes, yes. It's a medicinal machine gun. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, uh, occupying that space in the conversation is super important for the left right now. Okay, um, having conversations with people who are anti-gun and coming from a leftist perspective is super important right now because the vast majority of the time when people are staunchly anti-gun, it's because the only argument they've ever heard is the rights argument, which are, well, it's my right to have a gun to do whatever I want with. And the reality of the situation is the people that need to be armed aren't the fucking most dominant strata in society. The people that need to be right. armed are the vulnerable and the marginalized people in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a lot. A lot of people talk about, oh, yeah, we should arm this community. This arm the fucking homeless. Let's go. Like, you know, like those are the people that need it the most. Right. Like that's where I come from is when when you're a marginalized person, you have a right to defend yourself effectively. And in order yeah. to defend yourself effectively in modern day United States, you need a gun, period. No amount of jujitsu or Muay Thai is going to get you out of gunfight when someone has a gun. Just that's the reality of the situation. The other reality in most people and most liberals don't talk about with this with gun control is the amount of power and authority you would have to grant to police and military forces in the United States in order to enact something like con- gun control. Exactly. Right? Right. Like you don't think about the fact that it would literally inc- I mean these, these liberals it always cracks me up when I see uh, I go to my old Instagram which I very rarely visit nowadays because it's just really frustrating for me to see how quickly people went from being in the streets screaming all caps are bastards to fund the police to absolutely not a fucking peep after Biden got elected. It was just right. very heartbreaking for me. So it's very hard to go back there. But every once in a while, I'll go in there and scream at them. Just, hey, you, you assholes. All this fucking gun control shit you're posting comes at the expense of marginalized communities exclusively. Right. So, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not, I don't think it's, it's a, um, a stretch at all to say that all gun control is inherently racist, period. I mean, any gun control law is going to disproportionately affect poor marginalized communities. And that's really the end of the story. And we should abolish the fucking ATF straight up. Yeah. No, 100%. The Repeal the NFA, abolish, <laughs> abolish the ATF. Everyone has to grill and do buildings. That's the <laughs> political platform, okay? Artorios, 2024. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus. I would never. <laughs> That's fucking cool, but yeah, no. Uh, I would no. love, I would love to get on like a national debate stage, not to win, but just to say some shit that everyone needs to hear. Like that's that's really all I would like to do. Yeah, do some like Eric Andre yeah. shit. Eric Andre, yeah, like, naked. Yeah. Let me in. I would like to go. Yeah, I would like to go up there with a list of everyone's sponsors. <laughs> like that's it, nice. really. Like, yeah, that's the first thing I do. Anytime I see someone like, oh, this person's introducing this bill, I'm like, let me go look at that person's sponsors, and I go, ah, this makes sense. Right. Like Feinstein, every time, oh, fuck, every time they fucking put something up, I'm just like, this is gonna suck. <laughs> um, w- were there any uh, specific projects that you're working on right now, maybe locally, any movements that you wanted to promote and or give a shout out to at the current moment? Um, we're running, we're raising a bunch of money for Afghan refugees over on Insubordinate Collective's Instagram page. Right on. Um, we got some cool patches. We send them out and we donate the money. Um, we, you know, that's pretty much what we do all the time. And, you know, um, Lou from Insubordinate Collective is just fucking great with all that stuff. And, you know, um, I help a little bit when I can. I was packaging orders yesterday and my tongue is still a little bit chapped. So. <laughs> Y'all got to um, use the yeah. sponge method. Look, you got to give them a personal touch. <laughs> It's a personal. <laughs> the customers thing. have to know yeah, that Artoria's tongue was on the envelope. Yes. <laughs> Why do you think they're paying for this? It's not out of the goodness of their heart, okay? It's for the Artorius saliva. Okay? It's it's the leftist equivalent of Gamergir bathwater. <laughs> Today I learned. Yep. Yep, yep. All right, yeah. Um, uh, insubordinate was on uh, not too long ago yeah. uh, talking about that, too. Definitely. I, I, need yep. to, I need to get on that, too. Yep. Um, yeah, and more more than like anything, like 
um, instead of like trying to plug anything, because I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't really have anything to plug because I don't make money on anything, um, is just go get to know your neighbors. Like, go get to know your neighbors. Go introduce yourself. Leave a note. I left a note on my neighbor that I hadn't seen. Hey, here's my number. This is what I'm about. Text me if you ever need anything. It's like, if you want to play board games or whatever, let me know. Um, and I think as COVID is hopefully winding down just a little bit, not really, it's really not, um, people become a little bit more able to make those connections. So, you know, be safe, but like all of this is for nothing if we don't start making connections in our local community. And that's the number one thing you can do to make change. So that's what I'm plugging. Go, go make some friends, please. Right. Yeah, of course. Love that. Um, where can we, or sorry, what specifically, where can our viewers find you? Um, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm artorius tactical on Instagram. And that's all I got going on for me right now because that's already overwhelming. So, Right. Yep. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thanks so much for having me. Like, I really appreciate it. We appreciate y'all talking to me. That was great having you. I had a lot thanks of fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the comments. That, that's <laughs> always my favorite. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite thing to do is just dive into those comments and go, hmm, who did I make mad today? All right. So that wraps it up for us today. Uh, you just listened to another episode of Yellow Peril Tactical, the Tiger Block podcast. Until next time, comrades, militant greetings or militant goodbyes, rather. Mm-hmm.